Open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. This is the voice of reason. 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 I'm baby. Oprah. Voice of reason. Reason. Voice of reason. What are you doing out here tonight? Ta-da! <laughs> I never know how to start off these episodes, but welcome everyone to another wonderful episode of the Voice of Reason. I am your host. Baby Oprah, also known as Kadisi. Um, so much, well, not so much to talk about. I actually have something specific I want to talk about. Uh, this podcast, the podcast for the, the episode is actually going to be about uh, self-worth. And I came up with this topic after this whole Aisha Curry. I don't even know what to call it. Is it a controversy? What do you, what do you, what'd you call it? Situation. <laughs> Situ- First of all, it's I'm going to call it Aisha Curry illiteracy because we're going to start off this podcast with a comprehension lesson. What we we're going to learn what comprehension means and what it means to comprehend something. I have the definition here. Um, to comprehend is basically to grasp mentally or to understand. And the reason why the whole, uh, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Red Table Talk, uh, the show Jada Pickens has with her mother and her daughter Willow, which I love. I watched that show faithfully. They just, uh, the episode they dropped this week was with the Currys. So it was um, uh, Steph Curry's mom, Sonya Curry. It was Aisha Curry, who's his wife, and his younger sister, Sadell Curry. Um, the for those of you who don't know, the Curry is like an NBA royalty family. The father is a part of the NBA, Steph Curry, his brother, and the women uh, who were on the show are all married to, of course, NBA players. So um, during this episode, they basically talked about their experience and the role they play in being a part of a, a, a Mel's or being a part of a family who's a very famous and popular, I guess, in the NBA, and what that comes with. Now, the comprehension part comes in where uh, when uh, there was a question, I'm going to play the audio from the episode for you guys to really get the context, but I want to start off with what, what it means to comprehend, because this social media era, which last week I dropped the episode about social media and how it affects our everyday life, but one part that I left out is how social media affects people ability to really know facts and to really comprehend stuff because most of the time I can honestly say I do not watch the news anymore so a lot of my information when it comes to what's going on in current events comes from social media now the scary part is is I noticed that a lot of people don't really take the time to research the things that they hear or see on social media and it's starting to become scary because I mean, as much as I do not like 45, which is the president, the current president of the United States, fake news is real, okay? And the fact that a lot of people do not take the time out to really research and you know social media, although it's a place for information, it doesn't really filter credible information. So although we have the information at our fingertips, it's our job to actually take the time out to research and not just go from the headline. So because stemming from that interview, there was a comment or there was a statement that Aisha made and it created a lot of headlines that stated, let me see some of these headlines. If you hashtag Aisha's uh, name on social media, I'm going, I'm going to go off of Instagram. Aisha Curry says the lack of male attention makes her feel a little insecure. Now, I once again, I'm going to play the uh, audio for us to really break down what the context was of that statement. But it, it all boils down to comprehension, okay? We can all speak the same language, but if we are not comprehending each other, then what you're saying really does not, it's, it's easy for us to misinterpret what we're trying to say. So, Moses, I'm going to give you an example. I can say, yo, she was bugging out at that place we was at yesterday. 
Do you understand what I said? Yeah. But do you know what I'm talking about? Specifically, no. Because you don't know who she is. You don't know the place. You don't. That's where comprehension comes into play. Okay? Someone can say something that, in which you understand the language, the words that they're speaking, but if you do not comprehend, then you really don't know what they're talking about. And I say this to say with the whole Aisha Curry situation, it was very evident that a lot of people. Either one, did not take the time out to actually go and watch the full interview, or two, really struggled with the comprehension part of all the state tests we had to take growing up, whether it be the ESPA, the GEPA. I don't know if they're even giving kids uh, standardized tests now, but clearly a lot of y'all felt that growing up. Um, let's start off by playing the audio. I want you to play the first thing, which st- what started this conversation. Jada Pickens asked the women... A question. Can you play that for me? I think that's the first audio. How do y'all deal with all the ladies around y'all men? <laughs> How do you deal with that? Okay, pause that right there. For um, those of you, I'm going to summarize it for those of you who probably didn't watch the full episode. Um, once again, the whole episode was just about their personal experience and what it's like carrying the weight or being a part of being being married or being with men who are part of the NBA and as famous and successful as the Currys are, so of course we all know when it comes uh, when it comes to men of power, men of you know great fortune, there comes a lot of hardship as far as the women in their life. The women in their life have to endure a lot of hardship. So Jada in that clip was asking them how do they deal with or the hoes, which we know, NBA players. Yes, you gets the money, you gets uh, the fame, you gets you know the the ability to live out your dream, but you also gets the hoes with it. Or all right, and uh, for the Currys, I think that was a wonderful question to ask them because for Steph Curry specifically, Aisha, I think a lot of us uh, as a society hold them up to great stature. You never hear anything crazy. You don't hear about any mistake babies popping up you don't ever hear anything about steph curry cheating on aisha you don't hear anything of you you know about her being a gold digger they actually been together since she was 15 years old so way before he even you know reaches um fame they were together so they are like i guess the ideal perfect couple as we may like you know we may say as far as uh success and fame um is in play. But um, I want you to play the second clip. I think this second clip is where Aisha basically talks about what it's like for her and the type of person Steph is. Stefan is, like, very nice by nature, and he's very talkative. He's just like you. He gets it from his mama. And so, like, everything's always, like, very, very friendly, and sometimes to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm a grown woman, so I'll just insert myself and be like, hello. How are you doing? Right. Like I'm, I'm okay with it now, and I've, I've, obviously you know, like the devil is a liar, and there's always like, the ladies will always be lurking, right? Hoping, hoping for their moment and waiting. You need to be aware of that, right? But for me, I, I honestly hate it. I don't like when I feel like leveled off with someone. Exactly. It just irks my nerves, and so like we, we had the conversation about it, and he like tries really, really hard to make sure that if we're going somewhere. I'm being introduced. Like exactly. you're I don't I don't like to have to introduce myself. It right. hurts my nerves. So we try and um I try and make that known. But there have been a couple of times where I've wanted to like punch somebody in the face for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as you can see in that clip, she talks about, you know, she basically answers Jada's question as far as how they deal with the holes and how she feels about it. And honestly, when she got to that part, I had to really sit back and think, like, wow, they have the heart. Because not only do you have to expect the holes, you also have to understand it. And as an average, you know, the everyday person, uh, the average woman, I we done seen, as women, we complain about even your man liking a girl picture versus these women who have to really deal with women intentionally throwing themselves at their man knowing that they're married because of the level of success they have or the money or the power and 
it comes a point because it's so many women coming from left and right. As a woman, you have to have that understanding. You know what I'm saying? And it's one thing if you meet somebody, like, after they're in this position. Aisha was with Steph before. They were teenagers. So you can't even say, you know, sometimes they say, well, you know what you signed up for. You can't necessarily say she signed up for it because she was there before, you know, he was even put in this position. So... Just to even sit back and think about as a woman, how do you uh, how do you get to the point where you become this becomes your norm? Like you have to naturally understand that there's always temptation and there's women constantly throwing themselves at your man. And to get to a point of security at this point, when it's happening at this uh, at the I guess the rate that it's happening for Steph with his success, you have to get to a point with yourself where you gotta understand and normalize it. And I can I can only imagine what it could do for a woman's I don't even know like confidence or just to know that this is you know this is a thing that you're that you're you have to basically expect women to constantly throw themselves at your man on a daily basis. Now that led to Aisha making this comment. I'm gonna play the last clip for you guys. Something that really bothers me and like honestly has given me a sense of a little bit of an insecurity is the fact that, yeah, like, there are all these women, like, throwing themselves. But me, like, the past 10 years, like, I don't have any of that. Like, I have zero, this sounds weird, but, like, male attention. And so then, you like, I begin to internalize it. And I'm like, you're, is something wrong with you're me? Not, like, you're, you're not, not looking. looking. What, you're not like, looking. You're not even looking. But I'm going to tell you something else, too. When your radar's turned off... Uh, Moses, did you watch that episode? I didn't. Okay, I want to know what you think I based off of those stuff. clips. And what was your initial... My initial reaction? Was as kinda, a man. I was like, damn, that's kind of messed up. You know, that's just a hot take, though, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but... You know, after thinking about it for a while, I'm like, it's only natural for somebody to feel, to want to feel desired. And, what, well, the way I feel about it is, like, Steph Curry's kind of like my man's. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know him, but, like, he's just such a cool dude mm-hmm. that I never think of his wife in that way. You know what I'm saying? Right, I, right. I never even put a comment underneath a picture. Right. It's like my man's girl. Like, it's, he's like America's man's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why she, I think that's a big part of why she doesn't get that much male attention. Because so many males fuck with Steph. But you know, like the clip, I we didn't get that on this clip. But there was a point where she was saying, "I don't want it," but it's like, you know, I think what people don't understand is that I don't think she was saying, "Hey, I wish I had male attention like him." It's just like I guess in context, as far as with Jada asking him, how do she handle the holes and how you know the amount of attention he gets. What affects her security even more is that she doesn't get that type of attention. So imagine having to, one, be at a point where you have to understand that your man is going to get this attention. You you have girls here that be straight ready to break up with their man for getting attention, not let alone doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You will get your girl... Hit, you ever have a girl hit you up like, why is she liking your picture? Yeah, nah, and you don't got nothing to do with it. Exactly. So imagine as a woman where you have to deal with your, you know, your insecurities in a space where it kind of got to be put in the on the back burner. Because for anyone that is a male or female, I could imagine you'll have... A, that will trigger a lot of insecurities. But she has to basically put that at the back of her, you know, it doesn't matter when it comes to understanding the lifestyle that you're in, and you don't want to constantly be, you know, I guess having arguments with your man for something that he can't control. Exactly. Now, with getting to that point of understanding, it's only natural for you to say, not she, and I, I wish we had that part of the clip, I didn't have time to really research with it, but she said, I don't want it. It's just that that's what triggers my insecurity. She didn't say, oh, Steph don't treat me right, and that's why I'm insecure, and I want to go get a man, or uh, I'm not happy in my relationship, and this is why I want someone to give me attention. It's the fact that I have to deal with the fact that my man is going to constantly get these different attention from women. Not only do I have to deal with it, I have to understand it, and I cannot constantly throw that in his face, but I also don't even get that type of attention. So it's no even way for me to understand it. You know what I'm saying? She's not saying if I got male attention, then I'm going to feed off of it. It's the fact that, okay, then I can't even relate. 
I got to understand something that I can't even relate to. And that's what triggers my insecurity. Not the fact that my man is not doing what he needs to do for me to feel ins- to feel secure. It's natural for anyone to feel insecure in that type of situation. That's what I got from it. And I would have thought, like, first of all, I saw the comments before I actually even went and watched the episode. I didn't get to the episode yet. And I see all this uproar on social media about what she said. And I'm thinking I'm about to go on this. After seeing it, I'm like, Dad, I got to go and watch this. And I'm thinking I'm going to see Aisha with no drawers on, basically with her phone number tatted on her head, saying, listen, I want male attention. And after watching the full interview, and specifically those clips, I'm like, what is wrong with people? This is nothing of what she said. Like, it only made me assume that clearly nobody went and watched the full interview. Or for... Men, I, I think it also, what it really showed was the double standard. Because oftentimes, whether your man is successful or bum, rich or poor, we constantly get excuses as to why men cannot either control their need for attention from multiple women. Women, we're brought up in a society where we normalize men cheating. And with a woman, you, you're marked a hoe for the rest of your life. We're, you know, we're constantly being thrown in that face. And that's on all levels, all uh, economic levels or whatever. But there's this double standard where she's being raw and honest about where her insecurity stems from. A lot of the backlash I saw came from men. And I thought... And it's it, a lot came from men, but some of the women that on my timeline, I saw a lot of women trying to... Well, just because Aisha feel that way, that don't mean every woman feels that way. Whereas, like, you're still kind of trying to, you're still trying to live up to the male standard. And y'all got, you didn't even realize what the real conversation was. You're still kind of making an excuse for it. Exactly. Instead of understanding, you know, the reality of the situation. Now, what the topic they're talking about has nothing to do with right or wrong. Is no blame to Steph or her. It's the reality of the situation, which is why... I wanted this episode to kind of be about self-worth because oftentimes we we throw around the phrase self-worth very loosely and everybody wants to act like they know their worth. I know my worth. I'm worth more than this. I'm worth that. But what we don't realize is specifically for women, knowing your self-worth is not just a one and done. It's a constant journey you're going on. And it's easy to say your self-worth when you're not negotiating it. The real battle of knowing your self-worth is when you're in the middle of negotiation. And when I say negotiation, I'm talking about with a loved one, with a, in a relationship, when you're single, when you're making the decision to walk away from something, when you're making a decision on whether you need to be here or be there or be with someone or choose yourself, that's when you know your self-worth. You sitting single and not even negotiate, you, you're not even in the, uh, uh, of the process of negotiation and wanting to blurt out, oh, you know, we always know our worth when it's someone else's situation. Oh, he beating her ass? I would never. I am worth... Uh, what, he not doing this for her? Or I am worth... What, he cheated on her? I would never. You always know your self-worth when you're not in negotiation, okay? You can't be in Payless talking about what Balenciagas you 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 will rock and what Balenciagas you won't rock. You just can't. Like, that's that's just not... It's, it's easy to talk that talk when you just window shopping. But when you're in the actual store and it's time for you to negotiate, what we gotta understand is self-worth is a constant negotiation process. And... This conversation they had on the Red Table Talk, specifically with um, Aisha Curry's statement, was a testament to that. Because from the outside looking in, she has the perfect relationship, the perfect situation. And from even what she said, it seems that way. You got your high school sweetheart. You got a successful man. You're successful yourself. You have three beautiful kids. And still, she struggles every now and then with self-worth, which is proves that self-worth is something that we're constantly in a battle of trying to figure out or trying to just come to terms with for ourselves. And I don't know. I think, I think, I mean, there's no real answer on when or how someone knows their self-worth, but it is something that I think everyone, every now and everyone should sit down with themselves in at least once a month, once a week and just figure out. And it's harder to do it when you're already in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Because if you you can't, I mean, the the sucky part is when I was single for a very long time. I think I was single for the majority of my life, and I remember going through that phase of, oh my god, I just need a relationship. I just, and I think a lot of people crave relationships because they think that is the answer to figuring out your self worth. Right. 
it's easier when someone can tell you. The best example I could use is like when a lot of people talk about, I want to work for myself. I want to work my own. I want to be in my own business. But it's difficult when it comes down to negotiation, when it comes down to figuring out how much you're worth and how much your business is worth and how much you should charge people. That is a process to figure out. Because it all stems from confidence. It has to come from a place where you you feel secure in yourself. And sometimes it's an uncomfortable space. But then when you're working for somebody, as difficult it is, as it is to be like, damn, I don't want to listen to nobody. I want my freedom. It is easy to someone to just tell you, listen, this is how much I'm going to pay you. This time, you don't got to do the research. You can't just come off the back and just say, oh, I'm worth $60 million. When you go into negotiation with your employer or company, you really got to come with the facts. Like, you know what I'm saying? I remember, you know, I took this seminar when they teach you uh, how to negotiate your salary. Whenever, you know, every year you want to get a raise, how to negotiate it. And it was like, okay, I'll give it, I'll use an example here. Let's say you're working at McDonald's and you want to raise. You can't just go in there and be like, I'm me. I come to work every day. This is... You should pay me versus the $12 an hour I'm making now. You should pay me $15 an hour. That's not how negotiation works. Not only do you have to do the research for yourself, you got to sit there and be like, okay, I sold X amount of burgers. There's X amount of customers that come in here every day. I serve X amount of these customers, which is worth X amount of dollars. And doing the it takes a lot of research, a lot of work. And when it comes to ourselves, Oftentimes, we don't ever sit down and figure out our worth. We walk into these relationships, and I don't even want to limit it to romantic relationships. It's friendships, too, where we're we're ego-driven. So we're often thinking about what this person brings to us. You know what I'm saying? And when you see somebody you want, whether it be a relationship or you meet a friend, you're just like, this person brings so much value to your life, and that's the only thing you focus on. And you don't even realize, the same way you focusing on that, the person that you have in your life or the person you're pursuing is focused on the same thing. And when you, you might get that person, but when it when it's time for you guys to both meet at the table and negotiate, when you don't realize, yo, this person is with me because I'm this. I have this it. It's so easy for you to get the shorter end of the stick. We can't always, it's not when it comes to relationships. It's not, there's no good and bad. It's not about someone treating you bad and someone treating you good. No, it's a negotiation process. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes, it's natural for human instincts to think about the I, me first. What, what, what do I get out of this relationship? And it's up to us as individuals to say, yes, this is what you get out of the relationship. And this is what I'm willing to give based off what you give me, if that makes any sense. And... It all boils down to your self-worth. And your self-worth starts from the moment you walked out of the womb. Do you know your it? It? Let me tell you, let me define what it is. I did a podcast last uh, season. I'm going to redefine it. Everyone has an it. An it factor. And your it factor is usually what draws people to you. I'm talking from professional to personal to romantic to family. It's the reason why... It's a random Tuesday, and they just hit Moses up like, yo, Moses, I want Moses to come on this trip with us. Or I want Moses to be in this room with us. Or I'm going to call Moses today because it's Tuesday. That It's your it factor. And we all have an it factor. We all have something that draws people to us. It is the part of us that we have to negotiate. And the part of us that we have to kind of keep in mind when it comes to the people we have in our life. Like, real time... Uh, the Aisha Curry situation shows that time she's been with him for 15 years time has nothing to do with your self-worth the time you have with somebody is not enough to make you feel like this is why I'm worth I'm, I'm worth so much because I've been with this person for 25 years you cannot sit in my face and tell me oh because we've been together for such and such years this is why I could treat you however or you supposed to just accept this time has nothing to do with it title has nothing to do with it you done seen people treat their side chicks way better than they treat their wives. Title has nothing to do with it. It all boils down to that it factor and how you negotiate it. And not even the go, not how you negotiate it, just knowing it. Knowing what you bring to the picture. So when you get... So how do you feel like somebody would discover their it factor? Like, if they haven't already? I would say... The, the way I figured out my it factor is just pay attention to all your relationships in your life and not just romantic. I'm just saying people. Right. What is, 
not necessarily what people contact you for, but what is usually the role that you play? You know what I'm saying? What is the role that you play in every relationship? Whether it be a work relationship, friendship, romantic, what is your role? I'm telling you, if you really sit down and break it down, it is the same across the board, just in different contexts. Of course, how you talk to your friend ain't gonna be how you talk to your boss. How you talk to your coworker ain't gonna be how you talk to your mama. But you still bring a fact. That same factor is basically applied across the board. To me, that's how someone figure out their it factor. Because one is no one's job to tell you what your it factor is. Nine out of ten times, they don't even know what it is. What I like, I say your it factor is what draws you. When you draw, when you're attracted to something, you don't even know why. Attraction is energy. Energy can never be explained. It can never be explained. There's never words to it. When you're not attracted to someone, you can say why, right? I don't like this person because their personality. I don't like this person because how they look. I don't like them. But when you're drawn, you be like, I don't know what it is about this person. I don't know what it is, but something about them. That's because attraction is energy and that cannot be explained. But oftentimes when you have this energy, this it about yourselves, it kind of repeats the same type of, I guess, experiences. The, the attraction, the energy creates the experience. So you often have the same experiences. For me, I'll give myself as an example. What I realize is no matter whether I knew a, I, this was a friend in my life for 20 years, whether there's a coworker I met one day, I know that I was always that person that people would confide in. And I, I, I used to use it loosely. Like, I give great advice. No, that's not what it is. People, like, would naturally confide in me, and I didn't realize it until I start when strangers would do it. Not strangers, but people I didn't know for a long period of time would sit there and tell me such personal information about themselves. And just it would just flow like water. And I realized, okay, part of my it factor is that I give people a sense of comfort lack of judgment to kind of always feel like they can come to me and they can just release all their worries and their problems or whatever the case may be. Now, the thing is, that's cool when it's just a stranger on the street. We could have a conversation. Tell me whatever you need to tell me. And we go on, we go on, a, um, and then we could go about our days. But when it comes to relationships it's deeper than that, because if, if you don't know, if I if if I don't realize that okay this is what I this is one of the things that I bring to the relationship and this is what really draw this person to me, then how can I be secure? If we women we all got the same legs we all got vagina we all there's always someone who is prettier than you who looks better than you so it's up to you for you to know, okay. This is why this person is attracted to me. Forget what they say. This is what I bring to the picture. And this is what you're always going to get as long as you're with me. And a lot of times, the thing with knowing your self-worth is sometimes you got to remind people. People get comfortable in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's not natural for us to constantly be meditating on what the next person, what their it factor is. Our only focus is making sure we get it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you don't realize the worth somebody brings to your life until you lose them. Cliche saying, but it's so real. You don't know what you got until it's gone. That's like, you don't realize how important a pair of shoes is to you until that one day you needed it. Like, then I needed to wear these shoes and I cannot find it nowhere. But it's been in your possession for how long? And you never paid it any mind. So oftentimes it is our job to remind people of our self-worth and not verbally, but through the experience being present and being conscious of our self-worth. So we always know, okay, this is, this is what I'm bringing to the relationship. So yeah, the Aisha Curry situation or her statement definitely opened up a lot of like windows in my brain as far as, wow, what is it like? What is my, what is the process of knowing your self-worth? The process for me has been a journey, a large journey because me being a a middle child, I will always tell people, Oh, I tend to be a people's pleaser. Not in a sense where it's like, Oh, I want to wait on everyone and make sure, you know, I want everyone to, um, I guess like, I just, I just want to please everyone, but more so in the sense of I figured out my worth and how happy I made other people. 
or putting other people first or just making sure I didn't hurt other people's feelings or whatever the case may be. I always put other people's feelings before mine. And I always came second. And it wasn't until as we grown older, get into adolescence, where you life puts you in situations where you have to really figure out what am I worth? Like I mentioned earlier, your worth is not you don't you don't really start the battle of knowing your worth until you're in the process of negotiation. We all have dealt with situations where it's like, geez, I have to choose between me and someone I love. How is that about to go down? And I've been faced with that in many situations in my love life, in um, friendships, even in family, where I had to sit at that negotiation table. And when I say negotiation table, I'm not talking literal. I mean within yourself, where you really have to choose between yourself and either hurting someone you love or the choice that you have to make with yourself means losing someone you love. That's when you really sit there and figure out your worth and start that battle of knowing what you're worth. And what you're worth is not a matter of good and bad. It's not always a matter of uh, looks or any of that. It doesn't like the surface does have nothing to do with it. Our self-worth is defined on based on who we are. You know what I'm saying? And what we've gone through and what we want to define it to be. You know what I'm saying? What somebody can take as their worth, the next person might not be able to take it. So self-worth is subjective. It's not, you know what I'm saying? How we like to look at other people's situations like, oh, couldn't be me or that could never be my situation. I could never be good. You're right. It could have been you because it's not designed for you. As we go through our life, as we go through our through life, our experiences are designed for us, the good and the bad. But knowing your self-worth is a matter of experiencing a situation and knowing, no, this one is not for me. Nah, that one is not for me. And what I learned is in relationships, we often put that task on the other person. We like to say, oh, this person did this, or this person is the reason why my life is this way, or this person was supposed to treat me this way. Nah, Love is not transactional. I listened to a podcast, Super Soul uh, Conversation. I wish I could remember off the top of my head what episode it was. But she said this quote. She said, love is not transactional. It's just meant to be experienced. It's not something where it's like, you give me this, I give you that. You give me. Love is not that. Now, relationship is that. Relationship, any relationship you have, whether it be a work relationship, a perfect when you go to work, it's transactional. Yeah, we're gonna pay you such and such amount of hour, we're gonna give you such and such salary. But that means you got to show up to work for X amount of hours. You gotta do these level of uh, these responsibilities, you have these tasks to fulfill before you get this check. That's any relationship. A romantic relationship is the same thing. I remember I had someone tell me. When I decided to cut it loose in one of my relationships, I had someone tell me, dang, and I, in, in, the, in the midst of me explaining it to a friend, I was like, but you know, I really love this person to death. I just can't. Personally, I'm not built to deal with this type of situation. And the friend said to me, nah, then that means you don't really love them. And I was so taken back by the comment, like, I don't, I don't even know what I said in the moment, but it really followed me until now where I think about it, where it's like, it's so unfortunate that a lot of people view love that the, what it means to love is to suffer. Okay. And when I say suffer, I know suffer is such a tough word and a big word, but I use it very loosely because what we could suffering is different for other people. You know, you look at third world countries and you'd be like, dang, if I had to walk a mile to get my water, I would be suffering, but they have no issue doing that. Or you look at, you know, you look at somebody else's situation like, what? I, if if they if I had to do what they would do, I would suffer. And that person is really not suffering from that. Suffering is subjective. And it all boils down to who you are as a person and what you know you're able to deal with. You know what I'm saying? Based on the tools God gave you and who you are 
at your core. And a lot of times it's unfortunate that a lot of people feel like they got to sacrifice who they are or have to suffer to for, in order for it to mean that you love somebody. When you're in a relationship, that's when the nego- your boss ain't finna suffer Okay, just to say they got to employ you. You would get dropped at the uh, at the what's the saying? The drop of uh, the drop of a dime. Yeah, drop of a hat, whatever. And I think we need to realize that romantic relationships are the same way. Just because you don't you choose not to deal with something just because you're not not choose. You're not able to. You know, a lot of people stick through relationships and say, I love them because I'm sticking through it, but are the most miserable person to their partner into themselves the whole relationship. So the, the, just because you, a lot of don't don't get it confused. A lot of people would be like I stuck it through but don't really stick it through. Right. You be in a relationship and be like, "You know what? He done put me so, through so much, but I stick I'm sticking it through with him because I love him." But every second of the day, you're constantly bashing him. You're constantly reminding him of how much I, of of all the things he's put you through, you you're probably stepping out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. You're constantly sitting in the relationship, wishing you wasn't in the relationship, right. but you sticking through it because that's what you think it means to love someone. Mm-hmm. Nah, love is experience. Isn't is is so many people you can walk away from a situation and still love the person. Right. When it boils down to the relationship aspect, that's when the negotiation comes in. And that's the self-worth. And the moment you make a relationship is a commitment, period. When you say you can love somebody, y'all can just love each other and that be it. But the moment you say, I love you and I want to be with you, or I love you and I want to marry you, that's when the negotiation process starts because... So what, what is an mm, example of a negotiation in a romantic relationship, per se? I, huh, it's so, it's so many examples because you're dealing with two different people. But let me, let me, let me, what's a big pet peeve of yours in a relationship? Let's go a off the top of the... I don't like when like if I'm with a girl, I don't I don't like other dudes like touching her like in a certain ways. You know? Okay, so let's say okay we're in a relationship. I'm one Kiki. Time, like, one mm-hmm. time, for example, I was with a girl one time and she, I was walking past somebody in the hallway and then they like kind of caressed her face a little bit mm-hmm. and I was like, hey bro, what the fuck was that? You know what I mean? That yeah, <laughs> that's a perfect example because okay, let's say we were in a relationship. I and this is real life for me where. I have a lot of male friends. Mm-hmm. And prior to me, you know, being in a relationship, I was single for a long period of time. So I never had, I mean, I have boundaries as far as, okay, if I don't like you, you can't just touch me anyway. But because I had never had anyone feeling, someone caressing my face would never be a big deal to me. It would not make me like you. It would not make me like you right. anymore or like you in the ass. But had I been in a relationship, once I, if I was to get in a relationship with you and I said, yes, I want to be in a relationship with you. Right. And that is a pet peeve of yours. Right? right? You, I can, you can come to me and be like, I don't like how old boy touched your face, right? And I'm going to tell you, listen, it's not a big deal. That's the bro. I don't even look at him like that. Like, I don't even see him like that. That is the bro. He didn't mean it like nothing, blah, blah, blah. Now, you say I don't like it, right? right. Now, it, it could, the, this is where the negotiation process starts. Because as your girl, I can either say, Moses, you bugging. Like, you doing the most out my face. Okay? Now, this being a big pet peeve of yours, right? right? You have a choice to either be like, well, she said she don't mean it like that or whatever. I'm going to just be mad as hell and have to deal <laughs> with niggas touching her face left and right, and I have to sit here and eat it up. Or you have to go within yourself and be like, Moses, what do I bring to this relationship? Not in a, this, this is a conversation you have with yourself, not with her. But when it comes to boil you down, when it boils down to you figuring out, is this something I'm going to deal with or not? You have to figure out what am I worth in this relationship. You know what I'm saying? Now, the thing is, when you fit, when you negotiate, the negotiation is within yourself. Once you're negotiating, like, listen, you know, in relationships in general, it's going to be things, when it comes to two different people, you're not going to be the same person. It's no point in dating yourself. So it's going to be things that this person don't like and you don't like. But the negotiation, so it's going to be things that you're willing to compromise and they're going to be things you're not willing to compromise, right? Now, this is where the negotiation process starts because this is why I say your biggest pet peeve. Could you see yourself leaving a girl because who constantly, like, I guess triggers this pet peeve what she doesn't want she's okay with men touching her any type of way and you gotta constantly deal with it could you see yourself staying in a relationship no I don't think so 
Now, when you go through this negotiation process with yourself, so you say you want to stay with someone, so you sit with yourself and you be like, okay, nah, she's not really willing to budge. Look at everything that I bring to the table. And, you know, not even Britain, I'm not saying physically, I'm not saying your it factor. There's a reason why she's with you. And clearly she don't know what it is yet. So when you're negotiating with yourself, it's that it factor that you got to pull out and realize she got to realize what she's losing. Now, the reality of this negotiation factor is once you get within yourself and you reach a point where yourself like, nah, I'm a dope boyfriend. I, I like, you know, I know what I bring to the table. I'm done. I'm not even I'm done. I'm not dealing with this. The, now you get back to the table and you say, okay, I know what I'm brought up to you, homeboy, touching your face like that, and I have a problem with it. Most oh, not even that. Said, I'm not dealing with it. I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. Now the the negotiation is on her table because now right. it's like she's either gonna be like, what's it worth? You, it worth? Like, you say you're not dealing with it, so that means either you about to leave me or I gotta change. Now, the reality when you're going through that negotiation factor with yourself is that, that you got to realize that your partner, once you realize I'm not dealing with this, you got to be open to the outcome. Because all you got to say is I'm not dealing with it. Now, the other person is going to be like, okay, am I going to stay or I'm going to leave? Same thing when you go on a job interview. After you had an interview, they'd be like, what's your negotiation salary? You could you get to say, nah, they're telling me $12 an hour. Nah, like, I feel like I'm bringing way more this job and tell way more. I feel like I bring... Nah, you sit with yourself and you be like, nah, I think I deserve $15. When you come through that process with yourself and you plan to write that email to that person or call that per the person you inter interview with and tell them, you know, I appreciate your $12 an hour offer, but honestly, I think I'm worth $15 an hour. When you tell yourself that you're going to do that, do you, under you do understand that you're also risking the chance that this employer is going to tell you... Nah, thank you. Thank you for your number, but nah. So we're not going to take you. So in order... Hey, guys. Sakari just came in. We're talking about self-worth, and you oh. talk a lot about this <laughs> on your... Well, it stemmed from... Did you see the Aisha Curry's... Um, the whole little interview? And I kind of started off with a comprehension class because clearly people comprehended what way she said. Left. Way left. Way first left. First of all, I saw the com I was saying how I saw the comments first before I watched the interview and I expected to watch the interview with her and see her with no drawers on and her phone exactly. number tatted on her forehead. <laughs> but what I got from it was basically in general how her talking about how she had to deal with the constant attention that her man getting and coming to an understanding with that with also not getting that same attention, but still having to understand it and how that stemmed insecurity with her. So it led to me coming up with the idea that we should talk about self-worth because we always talk about, you know, we use the word very loosely and we always talk about, we know our worth, I know my worth. And what I realized is you really don't know your worth until you're in the process of negotiation. Okay. We could say, I could say I know my worth based off your situation. Mm -hmm. I could buy a car going through that, I could never. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in my own situation and it's time for you to negotiate with someone you love or against something you love. You know what I'm saying? You can like these pair of shoes, but it's like, uh, it's $50. I don't know if I got all that. Now I got to negotiate. So I'm talking about the process of knowing your self-worth and how it's like a negotiation process. And oftentimes it's a negotiation process against with someone you love or something and risking you having to lose that. So before you came in, I was talking to Moses about, let's say I use the example of us going to a job interview. You know, you get an interview. They be like, you know what? We're going to offer you $12 an hour. You go sit with yourself and be like, mm -mm, I think I'm worth $15 an hour. Like, all these, they ask me to do this, 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 that. I got to come to work every day. I think I'm, or for, you know, you sit with yourself and you say, I think I'm worth $15 an hour. When you go through that negotiation process with yourself and you realize, no, I'm worth more, mm -hmm. you do understand when you come back to the table, you risk the other person saying, nah, but right. I don't think you're worth that more. Mm -hmm. So you risk losing the very much thing you want. You want the job. You need the job. But you know, when you come back to negotiate at the table, you tell them more. They have the the ability or the opportunity or the freedom to say, no, well, this is not what we're going to give you. So he told me, he, the question you asked was, what's the example of a negotiation process in a romantic relationship? That's what it is. It's the same example. And as and it's, it's, it's going to be in different phases of your relationship. A lot of people be is quick to say what they're worth in the beginning process as far as whether you like someone or not. I don't worth... Uh, a, a man with a better job. Well, I'm worth a man with a degree. I'm worth what... That's easy to say, but then when you get in a relationship, negotiation get more tricky and it get more thick. It's no longer about the surface things. It's no longer about the looks. It's no longer about the job. It's no longer... It, it starts to break down into character, you know, I guess defects or what, whatever it is. You feel like you start to really dissect the person and now you got to break down your worth in that sense. 
So that's really what the negotiation process is uh, to me in a relationship. And oftentimes when you, you know, I, I like to separate love from relationship. I was saying this earlier with people, a lot of people associate suffering with love. I remember um, the story I was telling them is I was, uh, when I was telling a friend that I wanted to walk away from a situation, but I still said in the sentence, I love the person. They told me, no, I don't. No, you can Because I don't want to suffer. And I want to, what I define suffer specifically is not, suffer is a big word. Mm. Suffer is subjective. Suffering for you may not be suffering for me. The example I use is third world countries. We be like, damn, they got to walk for their water. Meanwhile, they don't have no issue. Mm-hmm. They ain't suffering. They, they okay with walking a mile to have to get a drink of water. We look at it as suffering because we got a faucet right mm-hmm. two inches away from us. So suffering is subjective. And knowing your worth and knowing yourself before knowing, before you know your worth, you got to know yourself. What are you able to endure? You know what I'm saying? A lot of times we, we take suffering as love and we stay in these relationships and we're miserable in them. And then we're miserable to the people we're with. Mm-hmm. We're the worst part. We become this toxic, you know, person. And for me, that was the choice I made to walk away. Not because it's like, oh, I just didn't want to suffer. I knew I couldn't handle it. And it's not, you know, it's easy to say you can't handle something when it's someone else's situation. But when you're in it and you have to be honest with yourself, like, okay, you love someone enough to know what they need. You got to know yourself enough to know when you're not that person. You can't fulfill that need. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. A lot of people need patience. I can be honest enough with myself. I didn't did enough therapy, I done, like, you know, did enough meditation and no patience is something that I am still working on. <laughs> and a lot, and the the thing is, in romantic relationships, the role that we play is so detrimental to the person's upbringing. A lot of women like to carry, oh, yeah, I'm important in his life because I make him better. You got to also be real when you know you're the person that's making someone worse, okay? And making someone worse is not always you being a bad person. Sometimes it's your it factor. We talk about the it factor. Everyone has an it factor that draws you to someone. You know what I'm saying? And it's important for you to know what it is. But your it factor, for example, you can be a giving person. Sakara, I give you an example. Sakara is the most giving mom. She's been a mom before she became a mom. I tell her this all the time. No, seriously. She is that friend. We were, we were like, uh, we went to college together. Sakara is that friend. You are told up on the floor, up drunk. Sakara is drunk taking care of you, okay? I ain't that friend, okay? You drunk, you on your own because I'm trying to figure myself out too. But Sakara has always been that friend. But for someone, let's say for someone who needs to stand on their own two feet. Sakara is a toxic person for that right. person. Exactly. That's true. That is that's when you realize that you're bad for someone. Bad for someone doesn't mean you're an effed up person. You wake up with bad intentions for this person. It's you being real with yourself. And when you love, 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 love someone enough, you really are it's easy for you to be that honest with yourself. Because when you love someone, you're always thinking about what makes them better. And you reach a level of love for them where it's like, yo, I even want you to get better without me. It, it, even if it means you can't be with me no more, I just want the best for you. Because in love, with love being experienced, you experience so much with a person and just watching that person outside looking in, you just like, yo, this person don't even know how much, you know, the, the how much they deserve out of life. And oftentimes you got to know to step back and be like, okay, no. And then two, if it suffers, okay, for me to tell you, Sakari, you can't, you can't help no one. You can't be there for no one. That would be suffering for you mm-hmm. because it goes against your it factor. That right, is naturally right. who you are. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to be like, I'm going to be heartless and you got the biggest heart in the world since you're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. That's not, you're not built for that. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? That's literally, you were not built to be that type of person. That's what suffering is. And when something causes you to suffer, you just got to be willing to, to walk away from it. To walk away from it. And you can still love the person and walk away from them. And w- Moses, what was your question? Yeah, well, what, what's a negotiation like for you in a relationship? I think we... Is it going to pick her up? Sorry, we got the mic. I think so. Well, we got to yeah. talk a little bit louder. Oh, I think we call negotiation in a relationship compromise mm-hmm. because you want to look at it from a positive perspective. But really, all compromises is you deciding what you want to bring to the table and then what what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're willing to leave. Mm. Take What's your takeaway from it? So I think that's what negotiation in relationships is. is all the time, you have to decide how much are you willing to give to your partner? What is your boundary to where you say, if I don't leave with at least this, I'm out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then um, y'all find a, a happy medium. And I think that's 
that's the negotiation. It happens all the time. What y'all gonna eat? Um, where y'all going for Christmas? His house, your house. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But where? What, what the question I have for you guys is: negotiation is easy when people talk. Okay, when you you can say it. What happens when? What I what happens when? It's not verbalized, but you see it. Because a lot of times, you know, you hear a lot of women say, but he still want to be with me. He's still here. You know what I'm saying? Or he's, uh, or she's, I mean, in the sense of knowing when you need to walk away, even though the person is saying no. For example, I'll give you a, per- a job example really quick. You can have a job where you, you're working at your job, you're getting paid. Every time you come in, you're getting a check. Mm-hmm. You've got a stable job, paying your bills. But one day, this is a perfect example because I have a friend going through this now, just put in her two weeks' notice. They ain't fire you. They ain't tell you we're going to stop giving you a check this week. They letting you come to work every single day. Mm-hmm. But you're miserable, and you, you, you know, getting to that point where you decide, nah, I'm going to put my two weeks' in. This job is not making me happy. And I'm using that example because a lot of times in relationships, that is really the negotiation process. It's never really a conversation at the table. It's never the person saying, well, no, you want me to do this? No, I'm not going to do that. So you can, no. Oftentimes it's uh, people letting you rail yourself in your job will let you keep coming into work. They'll see that you're miserable every day. Sis coming, she don't talk to nobody. We see her come in and not even want to do the work. We see her do the work with Bearman, but we're going to let her come in because she's getting the work done and we need the job, and they will let you sit in your misery. And that's another part in knowing your self-worth. Okay. Because as much as we like to put the blame, people will sit in a relationship for 20, 30 years, and when it don't work out, you're putting the blame on he, 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 he. But it's no one's job to tell to know your worth for you. Right. But, but right. self... I was going to oh, say... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I think that comes from experience. Mm-hmm. If, like, you know, let's just... Uh, damn, what, you, what was the example you had before we were talking about? With a job, interview, okay. salary. Damn it. I don't give all these <laughs> words. And I'm blanked out. No, nah, but I think it comes from experience. Knowing knowing what you what you would and would not put up with. Knowing how to communicate it. Because, you know, if, if you really never been through that before, you never got up the confidence. You don't even know why you're upset. You mm-hmm. just really want to escape. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, right. Like yeah. somebody who's... I don't know if we can use relationship, job market, whatever. Mm. Somebody who's just entering into an experience who's never done it before, mm. um, they're not going to know how to communicate their boundaries. Mm. Because self-worth is really an independent process. Mm. We we reflect it off of other people, but it is you alone. Mm-hmm. Like, in, it's, it's self. Or in your, and, you know, another, another way to relate to self-worth is you could feel like you don't belong there. Like, you feel like, you know, this job was gifted to you, like, and... My example, working at Topgolf, mm-hmm. I had never worked in such an efficient company. Mm. You know, these people were very professional. You know, the last couple of places I worked at AMC, the movie theater, it was mm-hmm. like it was like high school over there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at Topgolf, it was really, you know, everybody was on things, prep was getting done correctly. I felt like I didn't belong there. Mm-hmm. So I let them walk all over me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I felt like this was the steps and need to move up or whatever. And I saw people moving up around me and I was getting left. You know what I mean? And then I had to, I had to understand, you know, after like a year and a half, that you know this is not it's really not the place for me. For me no. Right, but, but that's a, it's a, com- that's a confidence thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's your perception of them versus your perception of yourself. So mm-hmm. that is a, a reflection. Like I said, you reflect your self worth off of other people. So that is a reflection of your own self worth. So you assumed that because they were so efficient, and your idea of yourself is that you are not. Mm-hmm. So when put in that arena, you felt like I don't belong here. I don't deserve. You know what I'm saying? Because self-worth, you really have to really start to figure out what you deserve at the end of it. So you start to feel like, I don't deserve this opportunity. And that's why people don't speak up in relationships. That's why people don't speak up in jobs. They feel like, oh, I don't deserve the next level of what this could be. So let me just bow out. But that's why they don't communicate. But once you feel like, oh, nah, I'm confident in my position. I know what I'm worth. And then you start to speak up a little bit and speak Mm -hmm. up a little little bit louder. Like, hold on, I don't like that you didn't wash the dishes yesterday. And then, you know, then you can really start to get to the bottom of it. Both examples you guys gave are so perfect because it's the reason why I said self-worth is not just a one-and-done type of process. It's constant. For Aisha and Steph, they've been together since they were 15 years old. And neither one of them got rhythm, though. But sorry, yeah, that's another conversation. That's a, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> they've been together since they were 15. Well, she was with him since, I think he was 17, she was 15, oh, I'm, not, I'm sure. not sure. But your worth is going to change... All the time. I can have a job that I got 
and straight out of high school that was paying me $11 an hour, right? $11 an hour, all the sis had was a phone bill to pay. I was rich, okay? My phone bill was what? 40 something dollars a month? I, that check, I was balling in dough. Couple years go by, I have a car note, I have rent, I have insurance, I have bills, I have a child. Mm -hmm. Within that whole process, my my work has changed. The things that I need out of life has changed. So, of course, how happy I was or the things that I needed from a job market back when I was straight out of high school versus now is different. You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes, if we're not doing the work to constantly sit with ourselves and figure out our worth, we can easily be in a situation for a long period of time and not even be unhappy and don't even realize. Right. Don't even realize it. But I would, I would say, I don't think that your worth was defined based off of the new expenses you had. Mm -hmm. I would say that you, in, the, in that period of time, you did a lot of internal growth mm -hmm. that was reflected through those material things. But really, your decision to get a car note was from your decision to get a license was mm -hmm. from your decision to say, I want to go further than I've mm -hmm. been going. I want to go further than what the bus can take me. Right. I'm going to get my license. Right. I'm going to get a car. Now I have a car note. Now I need more money. And I think what happened with Aisha is she didn't really get to have that many life experiences. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think people need to, I don't know what y'all discussed before I got here, but I think people need to be realistic. Like her whole life has been with this one person and it's hard for her to figure out like where she is or where she stands because she doesn't have any different opinions. She actually she got one person. She opinion. actually talked about it on the 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 episode, and it, I think it wasn't really more so about relationship wise. It was the fact that it was more of a personal thing. I guess right, she was. Right. Th that was the whole point of her conversation. She was vulnerable in the fact mm -hmm. that this is what she's going through. I right, don't exactly. know where I am. I have three kids now. Mm -hmm. I'm like married. I'm trying to find myself while still trying to balance motherhood and a child. And I'm insecure about it. That's right. the raw, honest truth of what she happens. She just wants somebody to tell her, oh, your butt getting bigger or something right. like that. You know? but, I don't, not but that's the... Exactly. And the thing is, she said in it, she said in the clip, I don't want it, but it'll be... you When you're in a relationship, once again, and even with the negotiation process, it's not just you, you know, negotiating your own self-worth. You also think about the other person. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you're in a relationship, once again, Aisha was talking about the fact, the whole conversation stemmed from um, Jada asking, how do you deal with the hoes? Right, right. Okay? Mm -hmm. You are married to a basketball player. Not You're not married to do homeboy Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. You're not married to a teacher. It's a whole different type of lifestyle. Right, exactly. You have women here that would dead not talk to their man for two weeks for an ex liking a post. Exactly. You're talking about mm -hmm. a lifestyle where you have to not only expect, but understand that women are going to throw hundreds of women. themselves at your husband, hundreds. knowing that he's married mm -hmm. and knowing who you are. It don't matter. Nowadays, girls be like, put me in your Instagram. And that's actually so more appealing to them that you marry. Even more appealing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they're not talking about the lifestyle where homie could just put you on their Instagram so these chicks can know. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Let them bitches know. No, mm -hmm. that don't worry. If you let them know, they're going to go even harder. So for her to enter this lifestyle, a lifestyle that she didn't sign up for because they were together since she was 15 years old, she had to go, once again, she was just talking about her process of self-worth. Right. She didn't say it directly, but that's what it looks like. And you know, you know what it's like? You know, all right, my mom can say... Sakara, she's been telling me this ever since I was little. You're a very strong writer. You should be an author, right? And I'm like, ah, I don't care about anything you say. <laughs> and then, but then if I go to school and my teacher says, Sakara, you're a very strong... I'd be like, oh, really? You I wrote that in my notes. Oh, my God, Sakara. All of a sudden, it has a whole new meaning. I, it's a, it's the, the same exact words. And it's not to say that I value my teacher's opinion more than I value my own mother's, but it's about proving yourself against other people. Yes. That's Look at that right here. Sometimes, I was writing in my notes what I was going to tell you. I said, sometimes people only know their worth when it's detailed by a stranger. Right. You need validation. Exactly. Validation is a beautiful thing. And it's it's not bad and you shouldn't feel bad for wanting it. She just wants to be validated. Exactly. And it's and, and it, it's not even about her wanting to be validated in that way. That's what she said, but that's really the real conversations you have with yourself when you're talking about self-worth. Mm-hmm. Both just look good. <laughs> when you're talking about your self-worth. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to leave. I wanted to, for people to really reflect on that. I just didn't want to make this about Aisha Curry. I really want people to reflect on their constant process as far as them figuring out their worth and understanding their worth and willing to negotiate. 
Right. Always, worth. always challenge. Anytime you get comfortable, challenge it. Shake Listen, something up. Listen, I just told negotiate. a friend the other day, when you settle, you play yourself because they're going to leave you anyway. Word. Relation, <laughs> love is an attraction. And love, when you love yourself first, and people, there's no other level of confidence, like, uh, uh, there's no type of confidence that you could get from a relationship, like a confidence when you stand up for yourself, when you negotiate your worth, and the person be like, oh, mm-hmm. let me adjust. Yeah, exactly. Ain't no type of, I don't care how much your man tell you he love you every day, I don't care how much, you know, and at first, of course, it is a reality factor you have to trigger, and you gotta be real, sometimes you can't do it, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people can't really adjust their life based on what they have going on personally. But when you put your, like, you know, playing small, I, I, I'm glad, it's okay, we talk. I'm glad I learned this in a very early on before I got into a serious, serious in love relationship. I'll give y'all a quick story. I was, I was in a situationship for like a couple years on and off. But each year was never that deep, but it was deep because I really liked I this like this guy today. We've heard about this situation. Yes, <laughs> we done went to a few funerals, okay? <laughs> I was in a situation. What's the situation? It's when nobody wants to claim the other Yeah, we, we ain't entitled, but we, um, we something. Talk. We just don't know what it is. <laughs> but I was in a situation for a long period of time. And I and this not even with this specific person. Before I started, found myself and found my worth, I was the type of person where when I would talk to guys, I would always try to kind of conform to who I think they need me to be for mm-hmm. it to work. That's what I. That's how I used to think that this is how relationships work. You gotta, oh, he like this, let me, to the right. point where it would be, I was so robotic to the point, if the person wrote me, good morning, I, I'll say, okay, how should I respond back? <laughs> if I seem too thirsty, he ain't gonna like me for two weeks, he gonna think I'm a hoe, let me just write G. Let me, that's let me how, y'all, this is, this is the type, no, for real talk, if y'all knew, people, my friends who was baby back in those days, I was that friend that used to screenshot to my friends, like, what should I respond back? What should I say now? Let what me just I, write G. Let me just write G so he don't think I'm too thirsty and then he'll want to marry me. You know what I'm saying? This is how I used to overthink things to the point where I was a robot and then I got into this situation shit where that became my everyday life when I was with this person. It was like, let me not say this. Let me. It's, and situationships make it worse because you tell yourself, oh, well, you're not in a, y'all don't got a title so this ain't your right to feel this way. This mm-hmm. ain't your right to demand this from this that, person. Those are the worst. And that is a lie, okay? The lie detector determined that's a damn lie. The moment that person asks for your number, you start demanding. You start negotiating. Right. Not demanding, but negotiating. And negotiation means that they don't have to give it to you Mm-hmm. But you can choose to walk away. You right, know what I'm exactly. saying? You not asking doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make the situation last. And the reason why this situation has taught me this was I was in this whole situationships or whatever, walking on eggshells, and then whatever. I cut this person off because one day I figured out my worth. And I was like, you know what? I'm not finna be dealing with this all my life. So I just cut him off, okay? I thought I was good. A year later, I seen homie post a video in a whole relationship. <laughs> now, mind you, I never questioned why he didn't want to be in a relationship. It just was something we never talked about. So I didn't think of it like that. But once I saw that he was in a relationship, taking his girl on a lavish date, <laughs> even though it was a year after I cut the boy off, real talk, I sat in the corner and cried. Because it's one thing for someone to play you is another thing to play yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about the times that I, like, literally... Stand, stand up, up for myself. You know what I'm saying? And literally have moments with myself where I'm not going to ask for this. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to demand this. And I have to watch another girl get this. And this is why I say, when you don't stand up, if something's not going to work, it's not going to work. Period. Okay? You not standing up for yourself. You you sitting there choosing to suffer ain't going to make it last. It might help it play out a little bit longer, but trust me, the end is going to come. And the end is either going to come by them real noticing someone else who, I'm not saying if you demand something or whether you demand something or not, it doesn't mean you're going to stay with the person. It's only going to determine whether you and this person are meant to be. Right. If, if or they're not. willing to meet your demands. Exactly. Business. And then the worst thing in the world is for you to sit there and walk eggshells or tolerate something for someone where for, for them to only end up with someone else who ain't even do ain't tolerate half of what you tolerated and this person is head over heels. Mm-hmm. If you and someone are meant to be, y'all are meant to be that does not you standing up for yourself and not standing doesn't make it doesn't make it last any right, longer. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And that's that's the hard lesson that I learned. And after that, I promise you, you get my number today, tomorrow. I'm like, well, I, you know, I was saying every, sometimes to the point where I had to really check myself because I'm like, okay, Kati, you didn't have to say that. That it's just that I always felt like I had to always make sure I was standing up for myself 
in in the negotiation process. That's whether you're in a relationship with somebody, whether y'all just met, whether y'all just texting, whether y'all just F buddies. I always had to make sure I was being real with myself and standing up for myself. Right, because the other person on the other side of the table is negotiating. She, for themselves. That's why every man for themselves. That's the... that's. So by you not saying something... um. In that situation, he probably like, oh, she not serious. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I say jump, she going to be like, how high? Right. He's not going to take you seriously. Give- so by you not ne- negotiating for yourself, he be like, oh, all right, I'm not going to. Just has no First of all, that's not his job. She don't have a That's not his like, or her job, period. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sometimes it's not even that they're like, oh, she don't have personality, I'm gonna walk away. A lot of times they don't they don't they're not thinking of it like that. And you don't even realize it until let's say you have a you know, I don't know if you ever, you know, you and somebody was ever over like the relationship was over and then mm-hmm. y'all come back and talk. And when y'all exchange information, you say, I felt like you were being this. You ever had a guy tell you, I never knew. Right, exactly. Oh, I never mm-hmm. thought. Like mm-hmm. that because I, in a relationship, every man is every man for themselves. Really? As yeah. long as you're fulfilling their needs, it's not up for up to them to for them to go inside and do a whole surgery to figure out your needs. Because nobody nobody knows what you're thinking. Nobody mm-hmm. knows what you're thinking. Nobody knows what you need. And like we unless sa- you say it or you do it, and that's an And then sometimes part. saying it means knowing it first, mm-hmm. and knowing it is the self worth process. Right. Is you every now and then sitting down with yourself and saying, hmm. What am I worth? What do I want out of life? Okay? We don't want to be... My biggest fear in life, aside from death or dying before my time, is really not being a part of my process. And I say that to say, you ever met people that just blink and be like, my life is this, and I never... Right, exactly. ...could believe in a bad way. Right. Like, literally, blink my eyes, and your life is everything you never wanted to be. Mm Mm-hmm. If your life gonna be effed up, make sure you're a part of the process. Exactly. Make sure you like exactly. I effed it up because I wanted to. Okay, right. I stayed with this ancient thing because I wanted to, and now my life ain't shit. And at least I can say I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. The worst thing in the world is to sit there and have to take responsibility for something you weren't even responsible for right. because you decide to be li- a, a deer in headlights, just going through life. Right. It's like I say, if you don't take control of your circumstance, your circumstance is gonna take control over you. Absolutely. You look up and you everything. can't blame nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> you can't blame no one. And that ju- is an ugly feel. I'm telling yeah. you, I'm glad I experienced it in a situation where it wasn't, you know, I didn't really know what love, love was then. But if that was able to break me in that sense, and like, not it wasn't the person. It was really the situation situation mm-hmm. when you play yourself it's hard to get over that right. because and i'm sorry from that person won't fix it when you know you played yourself right. i could and i tried it i didn't text i text the person and i'm like you know try to get some <laughs> like really try to make them feel like shit and i'm like that i did but it didn't it didn't make me feel better right. like you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. because the reality of the fact was that i caused the situation was the situation because of the role that i played in it or right. chose to play in it so know your worth y'all I want to thank Moses and Sakara for stopping by. Sakara just jumped in on us. Look, Moses Word thinking up. like, y'all, he probably texted <laughs> his girl right now like, I know my it. <laughs> Moses texting the girl he's talking to like, I know my it. And you're going you gonna to know my worth today. I'm an active participant in my life. <laughs> and I would negotiate with you tonight, okay? <laughs> thank you guys for stopping by. See you guys next week. <laughs>